You are listening to the Phenom NHL Show on the Phenom Media Podcast Network, powered by the most passionate young sports analysts in the game. If you're looking for creative, informative, and high-quality sports content, you've come to the right place. Phenom Media boasts a team of over 100 youth contributors from around the world, covering every sport on every media platform. Make sure to follow Phenom on TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter, as well as all of the Phenom podcast channels for daily content. The link tree in the episode description includes a direct link to all of the aforementioned platforms, so click on that to access everything. If you enjoy the episode, make sure to subscribe and leave a positive review so more people can discover the podcast. Now, let's get to the show. Welcome, everybody, to the third episode of the Phenom NHL Show. I'm Jordan Mossberg. My co-host is Joe Franks, and this is our third episode. First two, we discussed the new Canadian division, and in our in the future, we're going to discuss the remaining three divisions, and we're starting with the East Division. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Hope everyone had a happy holidays. Thank you all for tuning in. Uh, I'm excited to get started. There's a lot of news of the week. There's a lot of news that happened. So let's just do a quick rundown. Some of it. Sound good? Yes. All right. So to start, uh, Blackhawks defenseman Slater Cuckoo left. He signed with Edmonton on a one-year $750,000 deal. It helps address some of their depth that we spoke about with Clefbaum out. Uh, the Blackhawks with a bunch of had a bunch of stuff happen to their center depth. Some of that we'll get into at later podcasts. Uh, they signed Carl Soderberg to a one-year, one million dollar deal. Uh, Jonathan Taze found out to have a uh, health condition, so he didn't report to camp. Uh, Derek Stepan was traded. Uh, to Columbus from the Coyotes for a second round pick. And that's a that's a pretty major deal in the NHL. He's a, he's still a solid, solid, uh solid center. Uh, the Capitals brought in Craig Anderson on a player tryout. So they're going from one really old goaltender to another from him and Henrik Lundqvist. And uh here I'll let you take it from here. Yeah. Um Matt Hoffman signed a player tryout with the Blues. Um, We said he was a big free agent, and they did that because they have a bunch of players. Um, I think it's Teen and Tarasenko where they're going to place on long-term IR, so clear up cap space. The Lightning also cleared up $11 in cap space by putting players uh, on long-term IR. Uh, Anthony Sioux to the Kings, uh, one year, $1.2 The Canadians got Corey Perry, uh, Kirby Dak with his wrist injury. Uh, he's going to be out for four or five months. Ethan Bear signed a two-year, $4 million deal in Edmonton. Chara kind of got kicked out of Boston. They parted ways, and he signed with D.C., the Capitals. And there was a big market for him, uh, considering he's extremely old. Uh, Broussard signed with Arizona. Vince Dunn signed, re-signed with St. Louis. One year, $1.85 uh, uh, Yeah. 
Yeah, and then Pierre Luc Dubois signed his bridge deal. There was reports saying that he was uh, unhappy in Columbus, but he's he signed. His yeah, it was deal. like uh, following on Twitter. It said uh, Dubois does he wants to leave. All the teams, all the fans were scrambling to see what happened, and then like two hours later, the news came out. It was like the Gallagher, how he was like, I don't want to play at Montreal anymore. Then he signed a seven year or five or seven year deal. So stuff can change with dime, but he'll be there for the next two years, which is it's an interesting fit because he's more of an offense forward, forward, centerman, and he's playing in a really defensive heavy system. But uh, yeah, so uh, we can just get into some of the teams. So I say yeah, we start so, with Boston. Yeah, they had a interesting offseason. They didn't do too much, but they they lost a lot of defensive depth. They lost one of the best uh, Bruins players ever and an all-time great in Chara. And then they let uh, Krug walk, which are two. It hurts them. Um, their offense is obviously unreal. And just losing the depth of Chara and the amazing skill of Krug, I don't I think they're two terrible moves, in my opinion. Yeah, losing Chara, it felt unnecessary because he's still a serviceable defenseman. Like, he can still come in, play big minutes, play wherever. He's a Bruins legend. He's going to have his 33 retired up in Boston Garden, or in TD Garden. But letting him go, and Washington only got him for, I think, 750000 something really minuscule, which Boston could have been able to pay. And then letting Krug walk, it's fine. I thought they did that because they were going to bring in someone like Mike Hoffman, possibly to round out the top six, or maybe like another like depth defenseman. They didn't really do that. They just kind of let Krug walk. And albeit he did get a massive contract from St. Louis, but letting him walk on the power play where he thrived, it's just kind of, it was kind of a head scratcher that one. They also brought in uh, Craig Smith as a forward. So he's a really he's a really nice middle six middle six forward, throw up maybe twenty goals, possibly for him the power play. But uh, I think one of their X factors this year is uh, Charlie McAvoy. He is likely going to step up, take the power play one from Groog. He's going to have all the weapons at his disposal. He is the number one defenseman, and if he could finally enter that upper echelon of defensemen, enter like top ten, he could they could not miss a beat and they could go right back deep in the playoffs, but their defense takes a step back. I can see them possibly getting bounced in the first or second round. But uh, my bold take is that Charlie McAvoy will take that step forward. And I think he will finish top five in Norris voting this year. Yeah, I think he's going to have a big improved year. And like you were just saying, I think it's, and I said this before, it was not smart. Everyone has been kind of, the laughing stock, I would say, of the league for the past couple of years has been the Leafs. And while they've made the playoffs and they're still good teams, it's that they have all this talent. And if on episode two, we talked about them, but they can't make a run. And I think that losing your great defenseman and just losing Charles six foot nine, there's he and like Joe said, he got paid very minimal. It can't hurt them to re-sign him. And by doing this, how's it going to affect them if if they don't have the defense that they had and they're just going to be extremely offensive heavy, are they still going to be able to be as good as they were? It's not even like the on ice impact, which is still a pretty big loss because he still is a really good defenseman, really capable. It's the locker room impact. Everyone there 
like looked up to him. He has the captaincy. He's been there for so many years and just let him go like that. You're losing a leader. And that honestly might be bigger. It might have a bigger impact than his uh, on-ice play. But at the same time, and I'm not taking away from Chara, uh, it it seems like Patrice Bergeron will be getting the, the C on his jersey, which is extremely well-deserved and one of the better defensive forwards um, yeah. in the history. Yeah, Bergeron's been awesome for a long time now. He's always been awesome defensively. He's been really good two-way. And it's glad, it's good to see a leader finally get the C, get what he deserves. Even though it comes at the loss of Chara, it's pretty cool to see someone like Bergeron get it, who's tenured there. Um, so for Buffalo, we'll, we'll now start talking about them. They were surprised when they decided to sign Taylor Hall. It took a lot of people by storm, and I was one of them. I do, I think it's a great signing. He's He's won the MVP. He's very good. And they're finally getting Jack Eichel some help, who was not happy with the team at the end of last season. And I think this was a move to say, like, we're going to get you help this year. Let's see what you can do. And a desperation throw to, to keep their second overall pick, who's the face of their franchise. Yeah, signing Taylor Hall was pretty was a massive contract for them. Even though it's only a one-year deal, it still shows that they're kind of committed and that they want to actively get better as a team. Even though they start off they started off hot this year and just the wheels kind of fell off. They were good for about a month and a half and then they bottomed out. They got like the eighth or ninth pick. They were in that like range of like not bad enough to completely like tank, but not good enough to even like make the, the uh, 24 team play in. Uh, so then the Pagula family, they cleaned house. They fired everyone. They fired GMs, scouts, anyone who had some sort of a voice got fired. And then they completely redid it. They, they uh, brought in Hall, so that was a big signing. They drafted Jack Quinn, which... <laughs> There's a funny moment. I was watching the draft, and there's another player named Marco Rossi from the 67s, the same junior team that he was on. I was like, oh, wow, they just drafted him. He's going to be a stud. And they drafted Jack Quinn. I was like, whoa. So they drafted for need over raw talent, in my opinion. But that's not to say Jack Quinn is bad. Jack Quinn's probably going to be like a 25-goal scorer at the next level if all can go well, maybe 30. And then they uh, traded Marcus Johansson for uh, Eric Stahl, which is a good move. They needed some locker room presence because, like you said, Jack Eichel was getting pretty pretty unhappy spending his winners up in Buffalo, and they wanted to see improvement. So it's good to see a team try to get more competitive and try to actively get better. Uh, one thing that I was, I'm kind of thinking about is Jeff Skinner. Two years ago, he had a 40-goal season, and he started the year as – one of the best goal scorers in the league. And then he basically fell off the face of the earth. He had an okay season last year, but still he wasn't that. He wasn't a 40 goal scorer at all. So I wonder what they're going to do with him. Um, are they going to keep him on the first line with Hall and Eichel? Are they going to move him as a second line winger? But that could be interesting to see how he's going to do after getting a, a pretty good contract. What do you think, Joe? Yeah, I was pretty intrigued because he had his career season at just the right time. He cashed in within 
uh, eight year, nine million or a massive contract that was honestly too much for a player of his caliber. He probably should have gotten like five and a half mil, maybe six. But I think you have to play him on the first line. You can't sign someone to a contract that big and not have them try to perform to the best of their ability. So if you put him on a line with awesome playmakers and Eichel and Hall, throw him on the power play one with uh, another budding defenseman and Darlene, I think he might be in for a little bit of a bounce back goal wise, maybe like 25 or 30 and like 50 or 60 points. And I think he yeah, can I agree be- that that first line is going to be fun to watch. And it's just going to be a matter of if the other three lines in the defense can hold up and bring this team some success. And they started extremely hot last year. So be interesting. They're in probably the toughest division in the league. So here in the East, it's going to be hard to see if they will make the playoffs, but I think they could definitely, if they were in a weaker division, make a, good run at the playoffs yeah they they could be a team ending up with like a high point total but still finish like fifth or sixth in their division because they play in the hardest division in the nhl a lot of their success though on the back end relies on a 2018 first overall pick rasmus dahlin he has progressed pretty well not he hasn't come in like uh been a superstar like quinn hughes or kale mccarr has but He's still been come in. He's still been a really good defenseman. He's 20 years old. So he has gobs of potential there. I'd like to, I'd like to see him break out though this year. I'd like to see him be in for a big year, but as for a team Buffalo, I don't think they're a playoff team, but they still have like a bunch of talent and they could get hot shorter seasons. I wouldn't be shocked if they make it, but I'm not expecting them to just off the strength of their division. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, next, we move on to the Islanders. Yes, Very uneventful off season, coming from what was the greatest season they've had in 27 years. And people thought that uh, Lou Lamorello was going to make some big moves, but nothing really happened. And that really all stems from their cap troubles. Cap troubles. They have so many players with just worthless contracts. I know, like Everly is getting five million dollars a year, and Barzell has no help. So the only real move they made was they traded Taze, uh, Devon Taze for like two second round picks to the Avalanche, which is amazing for the Avalanche. And then now their Barzell is just, he hasn't signed yet, but he is in New York quarantining and he has been in talks basically all off season. So that is a good sign, but you never know. Yeah, it seems like Lou Lamorello has an infatuation with big guys, like big power forwards. He just gives out contracts to them, like Anders Lee, Brock Nelson, who are good players, but he just kind of screwed their cap up a little bit. So they had to let Devontae's go, who's really awesome puck-moving top four defenseman. They got two second-rounders back, which is fine, but I would have liked to seen uh, them keep it. They re-signed Ryan Pulak, who was good. And then uh, Barzell still just kind of an RFA. I'd like to see a team like Minnesota, a team lacking top-end talent, kind of like the Islanders, RFA sign him. I think he could be in for a massive deal out in New York. Who knows? Because if they don't clear up the five or six million needed, he might just hold out, which he could do very well because he's an awesome player, 
came in was great and has been consistently a very, very great centerman one on one center. And uh, New York's kind of limiting his point production a little. So they play more of a defensive system. But I'd like to see him re-sign there. I think he could lead that team pretty deep into the playoffs, especially with their system. They have uh, they always seem to churn out great defensemen years and just have great defense as a whole and then get some goaltending. But I think Barzal can probably get like an eight and a half by five year contract from another team. So it's going to be interesting to see how New York comes up with the cap room for that. And one thing that's been interesting this offseason was uh, Johnny Boychuk had to retire due to an eye injury. So that cleared up some cap space for them. And then there's also Andrew Ladd, who has just been a terrible Islander. He was brought in after being pretty solid on Winnipeg, and he's just always been terrible on the Islanders. And he's also getting five, six million. So people are trying to get him to, to be put on long-term IR to clear up cap space. But if they don't fix up this, any cap problem that's just going to hurt the team and be hard to replicate although one it wasn't a positive but a sign of kind of Lou Lamorello not just sitting and doing nothing they remained in the Matt Hoffman or Mike Hoffman talks for the entire way through until he signed with the Blues so at least they're trying to do something it's better than them not trying to make a move yeah they they definitely needed some top end talent just guys that can put the puck in the net. And even though a player like Hoffman doesn't fit their system, it still would have been nice to see them sign them, see them sign him because they need someone who can, like I said, put the puck in the net. They're more of a defensive scheme. Even though he doesn't fit, it still would have been nice to see them. There is a rumor going around by the trade deadline that Minnesota was going to trade Zach Parise for Ladd and some picks. That was a weird rumor. That would have been awesome for the Ranger, for the uh, Islanders. Because Parise is still like a good player and Lad's like a non-factor. But, but uh, they're kind of stuck in cap heck and they don't have anywhere to go. They have to free up about five and a half million. So I'm excited to see where they go. I'd be intrigued to see what moves they can do to get rid of the money off that team. Yeah, and they don't lack. Um, if five years ago, I think it would have been a different story when they had Gar Snow is the GM who is just awful, but now with a solid GM, one of the best in the business, it's going to be, they're being led well. And it just, if they can solve these problems that uh, Lamorella was given to him from terrible management. Yeah. I'd be intrigued to see what they end up to with Barzal because I don't have that much time. The season starts like in two weeks. So he might, like, I'd be intrigued to see what happens with them. Uh, for the for the Rangers, they had a good off season. Um, their biggest thing has been, in my opinion, them getting lucky, I guess, and with a completely undeserved first overall pick this year. Um, they got uh, Lafreniere, who's an amazing talent, and they also traded Stall and a second to get rid of the contract, which is good for them. Um, it was the Senators, I think, and they just took his cap space and just helped them to, to sign their big names. Yeah. Uh, they won the laugh lottery, which they had no part of. 
but they also shouldn't have been a playoff team. Like they just weren't that great on defense. And that brings me to their main point that Jacob, that uh, Jacob Truba signing, he's been rough out in New York. He was good in Winnipeg and just completely bottomed out this year. He could bounce back, but their system defensively is bad. But they had Mikaj Zabinijad break out last year, and he had a really awesome year. And he's looking to be the true center one that they've been missing. And I think he and Panarin on the power play are just disgusting. I think they could be really good this year. They brought back Tony D'Angelo who's also a really good power play one quarterback. So they're in an interesting spot, but their defense overall is just beyond rough. Like they were, if they had like a league average defense, they would have like easily been in the playoffs, but their defense was just atrocious, honestly. Uh, Another, I guess, issue maybe coming into this year. I don't know how it's going to pan out, but last year they started pretty terrible and then towards the end of the season they were just I mean extremely hot and if it didn't get canceled and if it was a full season I think they would have they could have slipped into the three seed in the metro so it's gonna see I'm gonna we're gonna have to see if they're gonna be able to keep that keep that fire going or if they're gonna be a slow starting team which this year you can't be there's 56 games so if you play the first 20 games pretty terribly and it takes time getting used to the system getting used to the new style of play just getting used to the league in general your team's going to be a lot worse than if it was an 82 game season yeah I'd be intrigued also to see how they split the goalie timeshare because they let Lundqvist walk so they were like a three goalie share but I'd be intrigued to see uh how Sorokin and Georgiev play because they were good last year behind that horrific defense, but it's a new year. Anything could happen. Yeah. Um, so you want to move into some questions? Yeah. That uh, that uh, Sorokin, not Sorokin. The speaking of goalies, uh, how many games do you think uh, Ilya Sorokin plays this year? Well, I think Trotz loves like the the two goalie system, like play the hot hand every other game and um, they really they moved a lot of their goalie history they brought in Leonard two years ago and he was his story is amazing but he was like he's like an islander goalie the fans love him he loves the fans so they let him walk in order to sign Varlamov um, to get like a Russian connection between the goalies so I think he probably plays under 20 games. I think it's going to take him time getting used to the NHL, just the difference. But I think it's probably going to be like he'll play 15 or so games and then uh, Varlamo will play the rest. Yeah, I think, like you said, they brought him later a couple of years ago. He was really awesome for them. And then he left. And then they, uh, they lost Grice this year. So I don't think he'll pick up all of Grace's games. I think he'll probably get, like you said, you're taking the under on 20. I'll take, I'll, I'll push on 20. I think we'll get 20 games and Varlamov will get 36. That's enough to where Varlamov can be rested but still be at the top of the game. So I think about 20 is a pretty fair number. Uh, um, over, over an 82 game pace, 
do you think Jack Eichel will have uh, more points than last year? Like this last year, he had a uh, 78 and 68 games. I think he will. Um, he gets a former MVP who's been very solid his whole career. He's just a great player in Taylor Hall. And the two of their, they seem like a similar style of play, but I still think he'll be able to rack up some assists and get another player he can rely on uh, this season. So I think on the pace, he'll, he'll pass. I don't know the exact numbers, but um, I think he'll have, if it was a 68 game season, I think he has over 78 points. Yeah, I, I would agree with that statement. Uh, they brought in Hall, who's going to do wonders for him. He can finally have another guy of his skill level on his line. They'll probably put Skinner, like we said, back on that line. I think their power play is going to get better. I think the team will be better overall. He'll play happier. I think he could probably be at like a 97-point pace this year. I think that's a pretty realistic number. So uh, speaking of his future line mate, do you think Taylor Hall's value this season will go up or down or stay the same? Because he's a one-year unrestricted free agent. Do you think? How do you think that'll play out? I think I think it's gonna. I don't know. I think his his value is gonna be confusing because it depends what he wants in a system. If he wants to to chase a cup in a way and go to a a more established team that's gonna win some games, I think he's gonna have to take a a cut and pay. But if he wants to just kind of chase money I think it will help him he's he's going to get a lot of attention off him with Eichel on his line so I think he'll benefit from that and I still think that he's a great talent uh he was always solid so I think depending on what he wants to do he could get a bigger contract than he just signed but I think he would like to sign a longer contract instead of a one-year deal yeah, I agree. I think that he could probably get the $8 million annually, regardless of how many years he signs. But I think he wants at least four to five years. He wants some stability because this would be his third team and as many years. So I think that he his value will also go up because I think he's in for a big year because I think Buffalo is going to be improved. He'll play with Eichel, who might be the best forward he's ever played with, most talented, or at least up there. So I would agree that his value uh, would go up and I wouldn't be shocked to see him sign like a five-year, $9 million contract with a team this offseason. Uh, how do you think Boston's defense will hold up considering they just lost Krug and Chara? I think Boston's defense will be worse, but not to the point of where it's like debilitating. Like, I think it'll take a step back, but it won't be bad to the point where, where like, it costs them games. I think McAvoy is going to step up a lot. I think Greslick is going to step up a lot. But I'd be interested to see what they do for two of their D spots. But I think they'll, they'll still be good, and they'll still have good enough goaltending. So I think they'll, they'll be just fine on the back end. Yeah, I agree. And another two big um, effects – will not just be their defense, but also their offense and their goalies, who both are, are they help on defense. It's not a, a, not a good back check team. They have a strong back check and they have Tukarask, who's one of the best goalies. So I think while the skill and the talent might not be there, 
if you look on it on paper at the end of the year, I think it's going to be the numbers are going to be fairly similar. Yeah, I think I think the numbers will stay the same. I think that they'll be uh, just fine. So uh, speaking of uh, development and improvement, do you think a uh, Caco, Caco Capo, or Capo Caco is a fun name to say? Do you think he'll be uh, better this year? Do you think he'll show any improvement because he was probably the worst player in the NHL this past year? Yeah, um, I definitely think he will. He went from being a a good young talent, number two pick in that draft, uh, without a doubt, who showed amazing skill uh, where he was playing before. I don't know the exact league. And even in like um, the national play. But one of the biggest things is they have amazing offense. And I think that if they put him as a second or third liner, I think it's going to help him he won't get as much pressure as he would have. So I think he'll have a little improvement, but I think if he keeps it up, he'll definitely be a bust. Yeah, I think uh, he'll improve because he can't get any worse. Uh, I think he'll improve on the power play, which he was actually wasn't that bad at. Like he was a good power play player, but I think if they mess around with his lines, his line mates a little bit, take off some of the pressure, I think he could be in for uh, a better a better year. And speaking of development, do you think uh, Rasmus Dahlin, the Swedish sensation, do you think uh, he'll get better this year? Because he's been a pretty good defenseman, but we're yet to see him take that next step into the best young elite defenseman like he was hyped up to be. Yeah, I think he, he will. The offense has improved a lot with the signing of Taylor Hall. And it's going to be a big year for him. He past couple of years, He's played well, got a lot of assists, but really no goals. So I think he's going to, with the help of Hall and Eichel, he can net some power play goals and maybe some more um, even strength goals. Yeah, I think he. Uh, I think he's also in for uh, an improvement this year. Uh, do you think the Islanders, do you think they'll continue their early season success because they were really hot to start the year? Like they were one of the like two or three best teams and they kind of fell off like after like March or like February, they were playing like 500 hockey. So which, which Islanders do you think we're going to get this year? I think we're going to get the start of the season and I think it will slow down, but one of the the biggest things uh, coming from myself and Islander fan is we have like Brocktober, it's what everyone calls it, because Brock Nelson seems to be unstoppable the early of the season. But the biggest reason why I think they fell off was um, Adam Pellick tore his Achilles, and he was just a, a great defenseman who it hurt to lose him. So I think while maybe for the first 20 games, they're going to be extremely hot, I think they'll slow down. And it's just a matter of that first 20 games is going to be able to carry them into the playoffs. Yeah, I still think that they could possibly be a playoff team because that division is going to be a bloodbath. But I think, I don't think they'll be as hot as they were last year because they were like broiling hot. I think they'll be like a seven on the heat scale instead of a 10 this year. And it might be enough to get them into the playoffs. It might not. So I'd, I'd be interested to see. So do you think that if the Rangers have a disappointing year this year, that they will fire their coach? I 100% think that. I think that 
if they can't at least show improvement defensively and at least compete for a playoff spot, I wouldn't be shocked to see them fired because their defense is awful. They relied on heavy doses of offense, which I don't know if they're going to get again this year. But if they can't get that and their goaltending was stellar, so if everything doesn't break perfectly, which it seems to have been for this organization for the past like 12 months or so, if that doesn't happen, I wouldn't be shocked to see them fired. They bring in a more defensive-oriented coach, and maybe they start winning some games that way. I'm going to have to disagree. I think this team is young and not only in age, but also in experience as a team. They've brought in so many new young players in these past two years. Uh, they brought in Panarin, who's probably one of the better players in the league. They just got Lafreniere and um, Kako. So I think they should keep him. Uh, I know a rule in some other sports is like you keep a coach for three or four years. And that's what I think they should do is get this team some experience together, really build a team, build a culture. And then if it's just not working, then you get rid of him. Yeah, I'd be intrigued to see. Because if they finish as a bottom five team, there's no doubt in my mind he's gone. But if they at least compete, are competitive every night they go out there they play good teams well they went against the teams that they should be I think he could stay but they need a lot to to break right so that leads me to the other New York team the Islanders what do you think they're going to do with Barzell it's an RFA season starts in less than two weeks what's going on with that I think they're going to bring him back I think he likes likes being with the team he plays with a lot of heart and it's, he doesn't seem like the type of player who would be that invested in a team, uh, especially with like in sports in general with younger generations, they seem like they uh, like bounce around and don't really have like a heart, I guess. But if you look at his playoff last year, at the end, he had like missing teeth, stitches everywhere. And I think that they're going to find a way to bring him back to a decent year if it can't decent deal if it can't be like seven years maybe a three or four year deal but I definitely think he's he's gonna stay I think he'll stay he's an RFA so that really limits who can go after him what they can get for him so I think that he'll stay I think it'll be on a bridge deal though I think it'll only be about two or three years I can't see the Islanders giving him seven years although they would like to I don't know why he would accept it so I think he'll be brought back but I don't think it'll be for that long so uh, that also leads me to the other Islander question. Do you think they'll score enough to like make the playoffs and maybe do damage in the playoffs? Because their offense has been kind of mediocre and they're a defense-heavy team, but you need to score when it actually matters. So do you think they'll do enough of that to win games? I think they'll I – don't, I don't know if it's going to like single-handedly win them two nothing wins because if you look at the division there's a lot of offensive heavy teams but I think they're still going to be in the mix and while their defense is going to limit the scoring it's going to be really hard to stop some of these teams like Boston Buffalo the Rangers we all talked about if you look at uh, Pittsburgh Washington they're extremely good offensively so it's going to be hard to shut these teams down but I still think that they could win a lot of games and be in the mix I think they could too, but their their forward core and their overall goal scoring ability needs to take the next step. They need to become respectable because while winning two one games is cool, they need to be able to win on nights where their goaltending isn't awesome or their defense is kind of lacking. They need to be able to win the 
five to four, six to five, four to three games, as opposed to just winning every game, two nothing, two to one. So uh, our final question of the day, our Tammy Panarin and David Poshnock both had awesome seasons last year. What do you think they're going to do for an encore this year? So if you, ch- if you uh, listen to our first episode, we talked uh, this with uh, McDavid and Dreisaitl about how there's going to be a lot of power play and these teams are extremely strong there. So I think that these two players are going to have very similar, if not better seasons. I don't know if it's possible, but I still think that they're going to put up the same numbers, uh, goal scoring and assists as they did uh, last year. Yeah, I think Pasta could possibly win the Rocket this year for most goals. He's an awesome scorer. He's in for a pretty big year. Panarin's awesome. I think this year is going to be a lot more high scoring than usual. There's going to be more power players, like we said in in a prior episode. So I think that their encores could possibly, they won't put up like the same counting numbers, but if you like point per game pace it, I think, or goals per games, I think they can be similar, possibly better. And I wouldn't be shocked if they are. Uh, So that will conclude the third episode. If you haven't already, please check out our first and second episodes. And I wish everybody a happy new year. Yep. Thank you all for tuning in.